if you talk to me in five or ten years, I think that will be if I'm just I'll be disappointed in my in myself and not having grown if I look back and say I started to believe it what I what I was selling too much yeah. instead of being open to the fact that ideas need to continue to be shaped. This is Ordinary, a podcast about people like you and me finding their way through work and life. It's not about celebrating success or mediocrity, but embracing the realities of the journey we take to reach our goals. The road is often lonely, and many times it's hard to find others to relate to. We believe there are a lot more people on that same road. Our idea is to find those people and share those stories. Today, I'm joined on the phone by Billy Collins. Billy and I attended business school together. Since then, Billy has made his way through corporate America and more recently has gone off on his own working as a marketing consultant. But before that, Billy was just trying to find a job with the right fit for his skills. And it wasn't easy. I learned a lot from Billy about the dangers of pride and fear, the importance of diversity and mentorship, and so many more things. I hope you get as much out of this conversation with Billy as I did. And just one note. I asked Billy at the start of our conversation to not name the schools he attended or the companies he worked for, but he did anyway. That's okay. We give him a free pass since it was so central to his story. Now here's my conversation with Billy. I hope you enjoy. So one of the things that I was uh, envisioning is, is the rule of engagement in our conversation moving forward is I don't want to worry about identifiers. And what I mean by identifiers are the name of your schools that you went to, the companies that you worked for, the titles you had, any of those things. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell your story. And um, what I'd love to start with, and I gave you a couple things over the phone, but what I'd love to start with is just hearing about that first decade or so. Um, Not Mm -hmm. the five points of your professional career, but just tell me, you you were raised, what town were you raised in? Where, you know, how, tell me a little bit about your parents, um, how you were raised, and then, you know, going and choosing um, a place to get educated and then, you know, starting your, your career journey. And then from there, just what are those kind of five moments that define, you know, your professional career to, to date? Yep. So yep. I want to start with that. I want to start with just tell me the kind of okay. how that first decade is, and then, and then we can go from there. Okay. Cool. Um, I could talk about my parents probably for a very long time. <laughs> um, I, you know, I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, South Hills of Pittsburgh, um, traditional suburban life. Um, my uh, parents met at Duke. Um, and um, honestly, one of the strongest role models I have is my mom. Um, and, you know, she was of an era where, if she had graduated 10, definitely 20 years later, she wouldn't have stayed home. She probably would have worked. Um, but, at, you know, she was valedictorian of her high school and went to Duke when there was, uh, you know, not a ton of, of females at Duke. Um, and uh, so she always extreme valued this valued achievement, honestly, right? There's no other way to say it. Yep. Um, and um, 
you know, again, the, the psychology chair in terms of how much pressure and expectation and those sorts of things, it was definitely present throughout all my upbringing. And that was sort of an expectation of um, success and maximizing my abilities in whatever, whatever it was, you know. Um, and she's German. She's come from a German stock, so she is very unemotional, very... Uh, focused and driven and those sorts of things. Um, and so, um, you know, for me, I, in middle school, was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and um, it definitely shaped and gave me understanding on um, why I would be so impulsive, why I would be so, so all over the place. And so what has been an interesting part of my story or journey has been a constant understanding of the fact that my internal motor and energy and distraction, honestly, how do I use that and how do I control that, if that makes sense? Um, because there are times when it's very useful to do that and there are times when it's very counterproductive. And so I think that's always going to be a part of, that is a part of who I am and is part of what, I'm, what, I've, what I've learned or whatever. Um, in terms of going to college, like I mentioned, my parents both met, went, met at Duke, both my sisters went to Duke. And so there was a big period of my life where in my junior year, I was like, there's no way I'm going to Duke. I had two older sisters. So I was the youngest. I was the last one to go to college. I was like, there's no way everybody goes there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, and wanted to play baseball and, and those sort of things and had, so had some conversations with um, you know, division three, small division one schools about playing baseball. Um, and at 18 had to come to the realization that I had a unique opportunity of being able to go to a school like Duke. Uh, I was not going to be a major league baseball player. Um, and um, I should take advantage of this opportunity in front of me uh, to go to Duke. And so I applied early and I got in. What the other thing that's interesting is I did not take advantage of my time at Duke for academic achievement or learning. I had a GPA of like 2.8, 2.7, and um, wasted the academic opportunity in front of me. I learned a lot about leadership and being very involved in things and um, grew up a lot in terms of being comfortable in who I was as a person and um, what I valued versus what I had been told to value. Um, and not that it's like jarringly different than my upbringing, but that was, um, I think that was what my college was about. And now, so as did a result, that, I had very, did that uh, academic, like this, did, did that change your experience? You think that you had with your, or certain peers or certain groups at Duke that you maybe weren't, as serious about your academics as some you know, may come to believe that environment to be, right? Did that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. change yeah. maybe a little bit of your experience? You know, what's interesting is I think if you ask most of my, I, I don't know this, but I think if you ask most of my classmates, did Billy get good grades, they would have said yes. Mm. So um, I don't think it changed the way I approached learning. Mm. I just didn't care about my grades if that makes sense. Got it. And so, um, um, 
I didn't read all the assignments. I didn't, you know, like I didn't like go deep into that. I never missed a class because again, I know how I learn. You know, some people don't go to class in college. I literally had an 8 a.m. Uh, math class every day freshman year, and I mm. didn't miss a single one. So, so I am an audio learner. I learn by conversation. I learn by debate, um, and so. And I always have opinions. I always have something to say. Um, so I think, I think that, like I said, if you asked your peers, they wouldn't say, oh, Billy slacks off. Mm. Right. And it's not like I took classes that were, um, I took classes I wanted to take, not classes that I could get good grades in or classes that, uh, but I also didn't take a lot of classes out of my comfort zone either. Yeah. Sort of said, okay, this is what I, this is what I like to learn. And so I sort of stayed in that lane versus, um, some other, some other things. But right? I think it's, it's interesting to point out that, and I think for me, this is what I take from that part of, the, of your journey is that 2.8 didn't represent learning, right? It didn't mean that you didn't yeah. learn, yep. right? Yeah. I mean, you learned yeah. a good, quite a good a bit, example right? is A good example is I, I sort of wish I had spent, I almost was going to be a computer science major. Um, you know, this is in the 90s, right? So, so mid-90s you know, I got email my senior year in high school. And so like, this is the dawn age of computer programming and sort of um, the internet barely existed at AOL exactly. and people yeah. dialing in and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And I wish I had done more on that. But the one class that I took as an, here's an example of, I got a C plus in that class because I got a zero on one of my assignments that was due at midnight and I turned it in at 1245 AM. Wow. And so um, I didn't fight for that. I probably could have. Right. But I also should have been on top of it. <laughs> right? right. I should have been right. like, come on, dude, come on, man. Like you're, and so, um, but we but procrastinate that's the hardest things, right? I mean, it's, it's human nature sure. to procrastinate. For sure. for sure. But I, but, but I use that as an example to sort of say, <clears throat> Um, there were implications. There, there are implications to that, and that's what led to sort of the, gotcha. the grades that I got and whatever, right? Like it's yep. not um, uh, that wouldn't have turned my two seven into a three three. You know what I mean? But it's just that's a, that's just an example. So, so anyway, so now one question so about had, one question about what you just told me. How how has your mother and having two sisters <laughs> influenced? your relationship um, in general with your wife and success and how you yeah. partner with your significant other, because that's, that's a strong influence to have, you know, three women that are sure. extremely bright and brilliant. Right. Um, yep. And you, and you bringing up the rear, right. And how, how has okay. that like kind of just as if you can tell me what that feels or what that has influenced, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. We were talking earlier about working in beauty care. Yeah. And when I think about one of the five moments, that's most um, a marker on my professional career. One of them is I remember as an intern at J and J sitting behind the glass mirror at a focus group of women talking about aging and beauty and skincare. And I'm a 32 year old dude who wanted to work at Nike. Right. And like thought, Hey, I want to do stuff that I'm passionate about. And here I am listening to, uh, and it was 
fascinating, you know? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it reaffirmed, I remember telling my wife, telling Tammy, right after that, I'm like, I love this. This is what I've meant to do. Because I think people are fascinating. I think I tell my kids my favorite animal is, is human, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think we are, we are fascinating. And that is a, that, that's when I knew, you know, second week of my internship, I knew I was, I was headed down a path to understand why we make the choices that we make and how can we help, um, how can I help businesses provide solutions and products to people that match what they need? And how can I um, put communications together to understand we can help them on their journey, on their, on their life journey. And so it's interesting looking at that in the context of the question you just asked, where I have three very strong, intelligent women who have, who I look up to in, in very different, diff for different reasons, but look up to a ton as the, as the youngest of that. And so for sure, it has made me much more comfortable and much more, um, uh, yeah, comfortable is probably the best way of saying it to relate and understand and, um, get quote unquote, get women. Now I don't get women. I'm like every other guy. I have tons of stupidness. I think if I go yeah. back to your time um, in college and we think about, mm -hmm. hey, you, you, you finished college. Well, I think you omitted a piece of your yeah, I haven't small yeah, success. I haven't finished that. Yeah, small success at, yeah. at, at college because if I remember correctly, you were able to play a little bit of baseball, at least for a small period of time. I did. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, and, you know, I walked on and, and, um, you know, that was, I still remember when I was about to get cut after my sophomore year, it was fall ball and, um, I knew I was on the cusp and I had a bad outing in fall ball. Some kid that shouldn't hit a home run, hit a home run off of me. I'd struck out a couple of people and then he hit the home run. And so I knew it was over. And I remember even thinking like, should I transfer? Should I, should I leave somewhere else? I'm running my post, uh, pitching laps. We had to run post to post for a while after pitching. And I remember being in tears and being like, man, base baseball's over, you know? Cause I think even though I had put down the dream on one level, I knew, I still had other things I wanted to do playing baseball. So um, anyway, yeah, no, that was, uh, it's obviously a long time ago, but. Um, yeah, but this, but the, but I think uh, the, the thing that's interesting is even making it that first year, right. Was yeah. I think a, a great part of who you've become, right. Because it, For, it also allowed you you took you took risk of not going to a smaller school and playing playing baseball. You took a risk yeah. from an athletic perspective, right? Academically, obviously, yeah. you, you had a great upside, but athletically, you took that risk and you said, "I'll give it a shot." And yep, the fact that it didn't yep. pay off over four years, yeah, it kind of yeah, sucks. Yeah. It kind of sucks, sure. right? I mean, for sure. But but for the sure. reality is, sure. just having you're still one in very few that gets to play. Yep. Division one baseball D1. in the ACC, yeah. right? Which yeah. is one of yeah. what the top three We're or four stunk. Let's be clear. Duke, and no, Duke no, that I know. Really that bad. I know. You guys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, for sure. No, I think I feel proud about being able to hang and being able to sort of. Um, I mean, I was not good, but I was at least good enough, sort of thing. And so, you know, uh, and and um, it is part of. I also think part of the 
like I said, of how I grew up as a person more in college than necessarily shaped my academics yeah. and shaped what I learned because, yeah, I couldn't play baseball. Oh, well, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to do ever, everything. And it was so much a part of my identity in, in high school, all sports. Um, and, and, you know, I played basketball, soccer, golf, and baseball in, in, in high school, you know. And so um, I'm, I went to a smaller school, which is part of what allowed me to do that. But, but I loved it, and that was who I was. And so I had to redefine myself a little bit in, in college when that wasn't what I was about, you know. Mm. Um, and so then, you know, as I was graduating with a lower GPA, I didn't have – I had one job offer. And I, again, distinctly remember – spring break senior year I was with my parents because my parents were like you don't have a job you're not going to do anything fun you are going to come find a job sort of thing and um you know dawn of the internet I remember getting an email rejection from a place that I thought I was going to get a job from <laughs> and um I told my parents and my mom said well Billy I just don't know what you're going to do she like walked out of the room <laughs> and um so again, dagger that's a like, dagger right that's, that's like, oh that's yeah, you feel for good. sure for sure, for sure. And um, whatever, I'm sure as my mom looks back on, on life and if she probably doesn't even remember that or whatever, but um, you know, we all think about doing things differently as we age. But um, I did only get, I got one job. It was in HR at the Tech Capital One. And um, it, they were hiring a ton of people and it was basically interviewing, recruiting, uh, which is not why I wanted to get in HR. It was sort of you go in and you, apply for a department. And so in HR, people, motivation, leadership, training, like all that stuff was stuff I really liked, mm. um, not recruiting. And so then I was basically almost like a call center rep where I was interviewing people for director and above level positions, doing the initial phone screen and saying, wow. okay, does this person have the you know, skill set to take these jobs? And so monster.com and uh, hotjobs.com and all these things that I don't even think are still around. Uh, but these job sites that had started to exist at that time, LinkedIn didn't exist. And so it was like uh, reaching out and trying to recruit folks to come interview and, and join Capital One. And I didn't like it at all. Um, and so then I got, took a job in operations because I was just trying to get out of HR. And I took a job as an operations project manager, which was another bad fit. Um, I am not a detailed person. I should know that about myself. The um, ADHD is not a PMO. That's, that doesn't yeah. equal, right? Correct. Project management. Correct. <laughs> correct. 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 And so um, I got fired from that post September 11th. And they started to downsize in the sort of recession of 2002. And I got, I got fired because of performance and mm. um, uh, had met my wife. She was working at Capital One. She was getting promoted which is another good sort of, hey, dude, don't think you're special because you're a guy. Uh, she's better than you on many levels. Um, and uh, But I didn't want to leave Richmond um, because I had this lady that I ended up marrying um, and wanted to stick around. And um, took a while to find a job, got a job back in HR as a corporate trainer. Um, and... Um, which is what I thought I wanted to do in HR. Um, but I was training um, data entry clerks on diversity training, communications training, drug awareness training, sort of foundational HR, like 
what people should have training on each year. Sort of okay. So I got to stop you there. Diversity, yep. tra diversity training. Love it. Yep. I mean, you're quintessential. I was a white male. I was a white male who went to Duke. I am an expert on diversity training. Randy, what are you saying? What are you? What are you? Fuck? I'm just saying. And this that, was in 2003. 2003 yeah. tells you a lot so, about yeah. about how much energy put into, or how much corporations put energy in. Whoa! Whoa! Uh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, for sure, and. Um, Yes, clearly I was the uh, uh, elite white guy from Duke <laughs> training a bunch of um, hourly employees who are working the night shift at data entry, and I'm telling them about diversity. diversity yeah, that yeah. Was, the mean, irony of it yeah. is just uh, hilarious. I mean, um, I mean, come on. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, we can delve into that one at another time. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so, so, so that job also wasn't for me. I was traveling some. Tammy and I were about to get married. I'm like, look, I don't want to be traveling the first year of my uh, married life. I kind of decided I want to hang out with this girl. I don't want to be on the road all the time. Um, and so then I took another job at a hedge fund, also working as sort of an HR generalist, but um, also as the um, sort of assistant to the CEO. He's high net worth guy, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar hedge fund in Richmond, Virginia. Um, fascinating story, really intelligent person, but he hated running the business. He liked uh. doing the trading, but he had grown the business to 30 people and someone needed to help him run a business, uh. implement new IT systems, hire a CFO, select benefits package, redo the marketing materials, sort of jack of all trades sort of thing. Wow. And so that aspect was really good for me because it wasn't a traditional role honestly, where it was like, you do this. Um, and it was that entrepreneurial sort of uh, environment. Um, but I didn't like hedge fund at all. I didn't like, uh, and like the, the progression of that would be being the COO or being a whatever of the, of the hedge fund. Um, and I don't care what happened in the oil market in Asia last night. It doesn't really, I'm not interested in all, you know? Um, and market, marketing that to institutions and pension funds and um, other investing groups, that's not interesting to me because it's numbers. It's all numbers. There's no emotion to it for the most part. You know, it's very much like performance. I'm diversifying to this type of investment so vehicle. The, possi the possibility of wealth, of, of the, obviously you would get paid well for that. You would probably have significant... Yep influence right uh, you could you could build a network of influence because i always feel like if you make other people money you can meet a lot of people yeah. um and so yep. that that didn't enter into your psyche at all as far as you're about to get married you're about to you probably are thinking about the fact that you want you you know that you want to have a family at some point and yep. the the things that enter into your mind more were it's just not interesting Yes. Yes. And, and I think, um, at this point I am seven, eight years out of college. And so that, that sort of window to, hmm, should I go get my MBA? Should I go get some sort of master's degree, whether it's mm -hmm. MBA or otherwise, 
that window is, is closely to, is about to close. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, Tammy has become disenchanted with corporate America <clears throat> and decides that she wants to go into teaching. So when she was in college, she was always deciding between those two things, would she be a, a teacher or would she work, work in corporate America? Um, and uh, her parents started their own company. They're a super fascinating story on their own. Um, and so she's used to small company, uh, intimate feel, and she's working for a, a Fortune 500 company in Capital One. And so oh. she's, she, she, she lacked that sense of uh, ownership and intimacy and et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> so she was leaving to become a teacher. Her first year of teaching was my first year of business school, uh, first year of full-time teaching. And so I think that that definitely factored into um, the decision where she knew what she was going to do, did I, right? Had I figured it out? Um, and again, in the um, uh, idolizing of my, my older sisters, my one sister was in brand management. She um, worked at uh, a couple different places, worked at Mills, worked at Dannon, um, and is still in brand management now. But because of that, I sort of understood the entrepreneurial things that I liked about the hedge fund, about a small company, about being uh, involved in the strategy and decision-making of all things, being the sort of hub of the wheel, as they say, was part of brand management. And then the other piece was consumers and people. And that gets back to sort of what I was saying before and, and why I knew the question I was trying to answer at a hedge fund wasn't the question I wanted to answer in my professional career. Got it. Um, and so, so I went back, I went to Keenan Flagler knowing I'm going to be in brand, right? Like, a, a, you know, you know, this part of my story a little bit yep. where it was like, I, I want to be in brand. Oh, it would be much cooler to, instead of selling women's skincare to sell sports stuff because <laughs> I like sports. And so, you know, I should work at Nike or Callaway or whatever. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, so yeah, so I went back to business school, eight years of experience, three different companies knowing what I wanted to do. And I think um, it's probably interesting. I don't know if it would have, you know, obviously being pass fail, I didn't have to worry about ABC, <laughs> right? I, yeah. And um, I think that was good. And, um, but I knew this was my shot. And so I think the other, so, so we, you know, talk about the five markers of my professional career. One is definitely getting fired. Yeah. Um, the, the, the second was, um, taking the GMAT and you know how, uh, you know, you get your score right away Yeah, and it's computer based and whatever. I remember in the break between the analytical section and the verbal section and you don't know how they like, you know, um, the, the, they're trying to, uh, be precise about your score so you can understand how difficult the questions are towards the end. It's Absolutely. more indicative of what score you, a score you're going to get. I knew that I had not done well on the analytical side, which is totally counter <clears throat> in my SATs. I, um, I got like high 700s in math. And so like, almost like that is my, is my sweet <laughs> it's, spot. Right? It's, it's a psychological, so, it's a psychological, <laughs> like um, uh, demoralizing thing when you get two plus two as your last yeah. on the analytical, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, you exactly, know, you have exactly. not done well, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I go into the, I go into the, the bathroom for my break. And I remember like pep talking myself and being like, this is it. Like, if you don't get a good score on this, 
game over, right? Because I didn't know if I was going to be able, able to go back full time. I was at the end of the window of being able to apply. I wasn't going to wait another year. Like I needed to get in somewhere. And I knew my GPA stunk undergrad, even if I had gone to a good school, yeah. that it would limit my, limit my choices. And I also think with an MBA, you don't go back full time. You primarily want to go back to full time. To switch careers, you need to go to a, a notable yeah. uh, MBA program, right? It's not just getting a piece of paper. So yeah, so I definitely remember like, Pepping myself up and, and thankfully did well enough that, that I was in the, in the, the bell curve, as they say, to get into places. And so, um, so, um, so yeah, so I went back to business school knowing what, knowing what I wanted to do. I think it made, because of the, the, this was my shot mindset sort of deal. Um, I took it way more serious than I did undergrad and realized I didn't, I had wasted the opportunity at Duke. Uh, I, this was my opportunity to establish myself and I had found something that I wanted to do uh, and that I liked. And so um, I'm grateful for all those things that led up to that, um, to then uh, having a really positive experience uh, there, yeah, both yeah, that- in terms of how much, I think that was a shape where I learned a lot more academically took some classes like I took complex deals during the uh during the Lehman Brothers default and all this kind of stuff and learned things that were fascinating to me I didn't change what I wanted to do but took very few marketing classes honestly I took Mm. more classes on other stuff on uh, that's why I did that leadership immersion thing and you know just ultimately um saw an opportunity to shape who I was going to be professionally by being stronger, broad-based um, business person, business thinker than, um, oh, I like marketing kind of deal. Yeah. No, I, I always respected, I always thought um, that you traversed school and all of the different, uh, what I would call, tribes uh, within the school yeah. fairly easily. Um, and I always respected uh your your intellectual ability to uh be in different classes right because i think there was quite a few classes that we had together whether it be negotiations yeah, or yeah. life planning or whatever it may yeah. be um and so yeah. i always i always respected that and um me being not only add adhd probably dyslexic and everything else you could probably, um, and I'm joking, I, obviously I don't know what I am, but you know, having, having some of those same challenges, it's, um, you know, I could appreciate that. So, so, okay. So we get, we get to school, we get to MBA. So let's, let's yep. talk about, let's talk about, this is kind of a pivotal moment. You're getting ready to, you do an internship, you're about to graduate. Now let's go back to those five points. So you named one and you said getting, getting fired. I said, yeah, it was, it was a big fired. deal. Yep was a big deal. My, and, and I think the other thing that that really shaped capital one didn't handle it poorly. No company sort of handled it. Well, yeah. my manager really didn't handle it. Well, I was totally shocked. I had no thought that it was going to happen. And I think I'm self-aware enough to know, um, was I being, was I missing the clues 
or was I not given any clues? And, and mm. I think it is the latter in, the, in that in that case, right? Because mm. we all know the complexity of large companies and what they can say and can't say. And Absolutely. Stuff, right? But it did change the way, you know, uh, in that job where I was corporate trainer, I was sort of also the HR generalist. And so I had, to let, I had the unfortunate job of letting go some people in the Richmond office. Oh, wow. That was part of my job description. And, um, had to let go of um, some folks at, at J&J, uh, even had to let go of some people at Soapbox. So it has, um, I learned a lot by being on the other side, obviously. It is mm -hmm. one of the most difficult things, I think, for people to handle in a way that is respectful and um, is uh, doing what's right by, or it's maybe it's not the hardest, it's one of the most important things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I always say like you forget you're dealing with, I think at times we forget we're dealing with a husband or a wife, a mother, right? A daughter, yeah. a, you know, son, a uncle. I mean, there, yeah. there, there are all of these roles. They're not just simply an employee. Yep. And, and, and that's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And that's where I think, I think what that shaped for me was in very few cases, is it a, we made the decision last night based on something that happened yesterday and you're going to get let go today, right? There's always opportunity. And I, cause the other thing that I learned from it was um, being fired from capital one does not mean that I am a uh, worthless human being who has no value to offer a company. Mm. Right. I was in the wrong role. I was in the wrong thing. Right. And so, um, I remember um, a woman that I unfortunately had to let go from J and J. The conversation I had with her, she um, she didn't like analytics. She didn't like math. She had come from marketing and other places where the sort of forecasting and analytics and data were less important. But she had worked in skincare industry, and so I remember having conversations with her saying, "You don't you don't like this. We're going to do everything we can to try to help." teach you this and help you get better at it but you fundamentally don't like what is critical to the role at J&J &J. and so that does again doesn't mean you're couldn't find a home at J&J it also doesn't mean you couldn't find another marketing role you just now know better what type of organization and what competencies are valued at those organizations that you've got to match yourself with hmm. you know and so we'll see what happens over the next six months you know, you're on a performance plan or whatever, but there's a likely outcome that you can take this time to learn and realize more about yourself and likely walk away knowing you, you did your best, but you need to find a better place and your long-term success, happiness, blah, 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 would be better suited other places. So she's, she went to Mattel for a while. She's now at a, a small startup beauty thing in New York and she's doing fine, you know? And so, um, yeah. I think that's that's hard though, right, Billy? I mean, that's the one thing that I, it, it's hard in the moment or even after the moment and even for a while to be honest with yourself, right? That, that you are, yeah, sure. you are not, it is okay that you're not suited for a certain role and yeah. no matter how hard you work, um, you're just not, 
It's as definitely skilled, hard, as skilled have, as other people, right? Like you gotta, you, it's right? But it's as skilled as other people in, yeah. But it's as skilled as other people in one area, exactly. You know, and again, that's that's where I think what I learned, the message I got when I left Capital One was, hey, you're not good enough for Capital One, leave, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, you know what? This didn't work out. We don't have another role for you. You are not good at this. Here are your other talents and skills. Find a place where these talents and skills can be leveraged, can be valued, can be whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was the way I had the conversation with this, again, this one particular case and have had it with others about here is, and it's even, I won't name the classmate, but I even remember um, in business school doing interviews you know, I was fortunate to have a couple of different offers and um, one person who was a scholarship person, um, you know, at business school. So had been seen as, Hey, you're super, you're one of the best yeah, yeah. in class, like coming in, right. Had been getting no offers. And this person came to me and asked like, what the heck, how are you doing? How are you doing this? Right. And so understanding that what J&J was looking for was different. What P&G was looking for was different than what Kraft was looking for was different. What Coke was looking for. And you needed to do your research and understand here are the competencies that lead to success at each of those places. And then you realize and look back on your experience and say, do I have the competency that matches with J&J's collaborative and debating and um, intellectual sort of like analytical uh, environment with PNG. Am I good at process? Have I displayed leadership? Have I displayed uh, motivation? Have I displayed deep consumer understanding? Uh, you know, Coke. Am I about um, again the wow, the splash, the creativity, those sorts of things? They're not significantly different, and all organizations value a number of things. But you can understand the competency they value most, and so I would tailor my answers to highlight the things, even if it was the same example that were more related to those companies. Right. And so that to me is what you should. And so when I made the decision, I, I didn't take an offer at PNG because I am not good at process. I'm not good at sticking to a one pager. I am not good at some of the things that led to success at PNG. Uh-huh. Even if they had given me, even if they had given me the offer, and some people would say PNG is the place you go when you get a brand management offer. You don't go to J and J; you go to PNG. <laughs> PNG or J and J was much more in line with the way I thought, the way I made decisions. And again, this is all related to what I learned back when I got let go, and what uh-huh. I try to explain and have conversations with people who are working for me, or that that report to me, and it, whether positive or negative. Yeah, you know. Because I think that clarity and understanding is what um, allows people to be their full selves at the places where they match. Because you know what? We all match everywhere. Exactly right. And I think it's hard. I think one of the things that I um, firmly believe is you have to also place some of the responsibility on yourself or maybe more than the responsible, more of a greater amount of responsibility on ourselves. For instance, in the instance where you get fired at Capital One, um, mm-hmm. it was up to you to put context to that, to, to, to let them 
drive your narrative in your mind of how you accepted that. While you may disagree with their approach and while you may disagree yep. with how they did it, to let that drive then how you consume it and what you do with it, I think we give too much power to that. I think we allow the environment to hold too much of too much authority over how we should feel. And I think we should take greater yep. responsibility, like you're saying, for putting it in context and having the, the, the presence of mind to take a step back and f you know, feed our mind and say, you know what, let me do the work. Let me not look for mm -hmm. other people to do the work for me. And that's, that for me has always been the difference between people that can traverse um, difficult situations, even in, in the corporate environment, versus people that yep. have a really hard time dealing with that. And we place yep. it all on management. Yep. We say, oh, we need better leaders because our managers suck sure. and all that. And I'm like, the For reality sure. is, is yes, sure. on average, most managers probably are not as skilled as they believe they are and need a significant amount of work. But part of that is also yep. we forget that we contribute to that, right? So if we yep. expose some of those anxieties yep. of our manager versus trying to help understand that person, um, we all have the natural reaction of defense. And so yep. that, that to me is, you know, I, that's what I take out of what you're saying is, is I, I also feel like, and I agree with you, you had to do that work. You had to do that work to prepare yep. to learn. You had to do that work to go back right. into B school right. and say, I'm not going to make the same mistake I made in undergrad right? <laughs> and just take, yep. take an HR job yep. coming out of school. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, to me, that's incredibly successful in and of itself because we know very many peers that don't have that ability, right? And yeah. that and, you know, struggle with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, the other thing that when, you know, clearly we all, if we take the time, can learn more by looking back than what we react to in the moment. And the other thing that I learned, and because my initial reaction when being let go from Capital One was, um, isn't my boss supposed to tell me what to do, right? right? Isn't like, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to, I was supposed to do this or I was supposed to do that. Weren't, wasn't Capital One or my manager supposed to tell me what to do? Hey, I'd had four or five different managers in a year. So of course I'm, I'm lost. Well, no, right? Like that's part of it. Yeah, sure, maybe. But the other part is, I have a voice. I can see, right? I can understand where I might have been able to do something productive. I can't just show up and sit in a sit at a desk and expect that I get paid for showing up, right? And I think that that's part of in that in that initial uh, not having a job, looking for a job thing. In that, in looking back on that experience, it was that realization that, yep, I could have done a lot more. I could have done a lot more while they're there, and this wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened. Um, as well, and that's one level where I wouldn't have gotten let go, but I also might not have been fulfilled and I probably wasn't being used in the best way for Capital One because I, of the skill set not matching. And so that would have been the other part if I were to, you know, time machine, Marty McFly it back to that time, I would have, I would have said, uh, hey, you're, you're probably unhappy with my work. I'm unhappy working in this job because it doesn't fit. Here's what I can do. I can right. do these things right? Where can I get these things? Is there an opportunity for me to get these things and leverage these skills? Because I am, again, not an incompetent human being. 
Capital One could easily have said, nope, you got to do this. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. fine. But at least I would have had the um, proactiveness and the awareness to share Hey, this is what this is what I this is where I think I could. Well, and you focus more energy on on the the kind of the net progress versus the combatant, right? Versus being, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I, they, they are the enemy now, and anyone that looks yep. like them is the enemy, and I need to yep. fight for my right for my individuality. Yep. When in reality is, yep. it's like it's really not a battle against someone else; it's really a battle with yourself right um independence is in your mind right independence is how you go into circumstances and situations if you allow that environment Mm -hmm. to supersede your own judgment and to overbear your own common sense then in a way it's your fault right that's that's your responsibility and if you haven't nurtured your mind enough and you haven't developed yourself enough then you'll you can't place blame on someone else Right, not to, and right. and that doesn't and that think, doesn't dis, that doesn't I, take away from the fact that again, there's bureaucracy, there's a bunch of crap you got to deal yep. with, and yep. you know, partly that's just human but nature. I, that's not corporate America, right? That's just people, right? Um, and so, but I yeah. but I think that's that's where the responsibility, where we should train managers is to facilitate that thinking and facilitate that conversation. They don't have to have the answers. They don't need to even know because they probably don't. You know, especially if you manage more than just a couple people, you're not going to be able to have a deep relationship and really understand every person that works for you. But are you facilitating that thought process for them? What are you doing to to make those channels of communication real and open and um, uh, introspective enough and provide time for it? I think that's the other thing that can easily get lost. People don't take time to think about that. And yeah. so one of the jobs for this is, again, when I had, had folks that I've worked with at, at J&J, there was a very distinct difference between our weekly project, how are things going check-in, and our monthly, let's go grab coffee, let's go have lunch, and I'm just going to talk to you Yeah, meeting. Right. And it's not because I've been told by HR that I've got a conversation that I have to have or a mid-year review or a whatever. It is proactively making the time for them to think about why are they excelling and where they're stuck. You know, and in that that opens the eyes to what they need, you know. So Yeah, and I think we forget about the hu- the human part of all of this, right? It's just again mm-hmm. we I want to know a little bit more. I, I know that this environment only defines you in a very specific way. Yeah. And yep. I know that you're more than this environment and I know you will be more than this environment in the future. So let's yep. take that context out of this conversation and just tell me how you doing, right? How are your children yep. doing? Yep. How's, your, how's your wife doing? Yep. How, how's your family doing? And yep. I think, I think we yep. lose that, that humanity of just relationships, right? That, that, yeah. that sinceness yeah. of saying, even if we're not going to go to dinner every night, we're not the best of friends and any of those things, yep. you're human. Yep. And I believe in humanity and I believe in, yep. you know, treating you with dignity and respect and yep. tell me, right? And, <laughs> I, and I, and I think the other thing that that does is it helps you understand 
who else could help them? Yeah. Because you understand more about their, their context, their worldview, their, you know, um, internal fears, blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, a little bit back to the diversity training piece. Um, I have not just been mentored by white males, right? I have been mentored by plenty of people and they, some of whom are, uh, have the same experience as me, but many of whom have the same personality as me, but very different experiences and very mm. different, um, uh, sort of life challenges or whatever situation. And I learn, I learn because they, have similar values to me or have similar personality traits and personality challenges and strengths as I do, even if they are, you know, you know, a green alien from Mars, like it doesn't matter if they are wired and value things similar to me, I'm going to learn a lot from, Hey, well, how do you deal with this? I get pulled this way, or I think this way, or I'm struggling with this. Like just because you, look like me. It doesn't mean that you can do that, but you're not going to know that about your own people. And you're not going to know that about other people until you see them as that whole thing, uh -huh. as opposed to here's my, here's my R and D partner and they're a scientist. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, great. I may learn a ton about effective communication, about leadership, about overcoming questions and challenges because all those things I just, I, I listed, you know? Uh -huh. All right, so I, I know I know uh, time is of the essence here. So let's let me take you back. You gave me kind of three points: being fired, taking the GMAT, MBA, um, and then obviously choosing your role post MBA. What what other yep. kind of two points in your professional career do you feel like mm -hmm. define yep. just instrumental pivot <clears throat> points? So the other one would have been seven and a half years into J and J. Um, I'm working in a global role and Gary V, that guy, the Instagram person runs Vayner media comes and speaks to J and J and says, you're all learning skills that are going to be totally pointless in five or 10 years because nobody's going to have major TV things. Retail is totally different. Again, this is in 2006, hmm. no, no, 16, 2016, uh, <clears throat> right? Yeah, 2006, 15, 16, something like that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and uh, I remember sitting and hearing him talk. He's, he, has a, a, he can be a bit of an ass in the way that he presents himself, <laughs> but he, I, he's super smart. He's super smart, and, he's, and he gets it, and he gets people fundamentally i think yeah. and no, I think there's there's, there's absolutely good. a lot of bravado to his for sure his, for sure uh, persona right but you gotta you gotta weave through that it's the whole coach's analogy of like just because your coach is yelling there's probably something underneath exactly, it, even if you, exactly. You know, being an idiot. anyway so um it made me think hmm, what is my is my is what i ha have i learned everything i could learn from j and j and um, do I need to step away from the insular sort of um, support system of J&J &J to see if I can really do this? Can I really market? Can I really run a company? Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of J&J &J thing, but it's a little bit of I don't think I could have gotten the same experience if I didn't leap 
you know, if I didn't say I'm going to go to a place that has none of this support resource and um, expertise, and I'm going to go try to do it myself. Um, and that's what led me to go to Soapbox. And honestly, it was the beginning of that was the beginning of the journey to say, I'm not, I was happy at J&J. I have a lot of tons of positiveness to say there, but my time, it was time for me to go yeah. and fly the nest, fly from the nest, if you will, a little bit. Um, and so I started saying, I'm not going to, I have no desire to go to another big company, another big CPG. I need to go to someplace totally different to spark that learning and whatever so i'd say that would be another key oh. point that i remember sitting in i remember where i was sitting in jmj auditorium type of thing listening to him give a speech and thinking all right time to go hmm. uh, it took a little while but like took a couple months but yep at that point hmm. um and then the other one um would have been i don't remember the exact moment but now sort of being on my own as an independent consultant um, there was a point where, um, my first consulting job was with someone I knew at J&J, with a subsidiary of J&J. And, um, partway through that assignment, I got some positive feedback from him and from some other people and that kind of thing about that, about that project. And I think I realized he's not just doing me a favor by giving me this opportunity. Right. It's not like, oh, I feel bad for Billy. Sure, we can throw you some work. Kind oh. of thing. I it was a um, freeing realization that someone somewhere will pay me to do work in my life. Oh. And so I no longer need to stress. And I'm sure some of it, you know, like all of us, it goes back to you know things from before. But it's like I was always a little worried about getting fired. Like that's yeah. always a little bit of, of how how I, how I thought about things and uh maybe it took 20 years or whatever but sort of this realization of no i I actually i can help like i can help organizations and i i I can figure this stuff out and i'm uh i i am not being given work again out of pity or out of like hey billy's a nice dude we like that guy give him a shot no actually i i can I can, I can help and, and, and I can do something. Yes, there are other people that can do it, but I'm really going to add some value here and you're going to pay me for that as you should, right? And it's not a, um, uh, it's not such a weird, it's not such a weird thing. And so as I sit in this probably, uh, it's been two years now, but if I, as I sit in this very unclear point in my professional career, not knowing what I'll be doing in five years, who I will be doing it for. I'm not at all scared, which is weird, right? I think I, I, before that point in sort of that first six months of being off on my own, I was worried every night, I was worried every night, how am I going to pay the bills for three kids, send them to college, uh, pay, pay our mortgage, you know, I, you know, I can eat ramen noodles. What can they eat? Like yeah. constant fear, constant fear of this could, someone's going to see behind the curtain of the wizard and be like, Hey, yeah, this is a joke. You're a facade. Right. Yeah. It's that, and, it's that whole imposter um, syndrome, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. Someone's going to totally. don't figure it out. Hey, yeah. <laughs> don't, 
don't figure it out, right? And so now does that mean that I can do everything? Of course not, but I do know there are things that I can do. And right. there, there, there's ways of thinking that I um, have learned, have developed, have whatever. Um, and there are things that I, that, you know, uh, to use the sports analogy, we talked a little bit about this the other day. Uh, I'm a good outside shooter. I don't need to be Shaq. Yeah. I'm not going to be Shaq, but I now know I'm comfortable being an outside shooter. Yeah. Great. I'm not going to drive the lane. I'm going to float to the corner, pass me the ball, and knock it down. Right. Like I now know what that equivalent is for me professionally. Mm. And, um, and do you feel like it allows you to, to gamble? You, you, you almost feel comfortable betting on yourself. Oh, I'll, I'll drive the lane every now and then. You know, <laughs> and then I, yeah. I, I mean, every now and then someone's going to come out too quick. I'll pump fake. I'm going to the hole. Um, no, I, I do. I, I think, I, I think it's, um, it doesn't feel like a bet on myself anymore. I think that's mm. the other part of it. Well, that's interesting. You know, because, um, you know, it's, uh, I have enough understanding and knowledge that I can do some stuff. And so it doesn't feel like a risk. It feels like I've trained, again, using that same sport, sports analogy. Before I felt like I was, uh, I was playing, to, you know, two guard for the Warriors and people were like, oh God, that guy, he sucks, <laughs> you know? But now I'm like, yeah, I'm playing two guard for the Warriors. Okay, cool. Like I can do this. I can do this. I can do this role. And yeah. so it's not taking a bet because I've leading up to that point, I didn't just walk off the street and take that mm. position. I practiced, I have tried, I've been in, been in games. I have proven myself in those things mm. to sort of know, all right, I can, I can, I can do this, you know? And so it's not a, it, again, it isn't, a, I would say it isn't a bet anymore. It is a, an awareness of um, the value that, that you can offer. And so now it becomes about the hard part or the thing that's different as an independent dude is um, finding that those chances, finding those games to, to do it. Um, and that's where there's, that's where there's risks involved. Um, and that's where there's different type of work. And then, um, I think that there's always still that pressure of everything I'm doing is being judged even more so than in a company. Cause they could just be like, yep, we don't need to work with you anymore. Right. We no longer need you on this contract. We no longer need you on the project. There isn't another project for you. And so it doesn't take away the pressure to perform. It just means do what you know you can do. How do you deal with the social pressure of everybody, you know, every meeting, right? Especially when you're a dad and you're going to all these sporting, event, sporting events, it's yeah. the, the, the initial conversation is always, what do you do? How do you do it? What's your title? What degrees do you have? And you, yeah. you know, tell yeah. me that you're already a, a VP. Tell me you're already you know, a successful right. entrepreneur and all those things. How, how do you deal right. with, right. for you, you're comfortable where you're at, right. but, but right. from the outside looking in, you know, it's hard to, to see the social success, right? Meaning that, that you've yeah. accomplished yeah. what you, what other people may expect of you with your pedigree, with your, 
and now what we're yep. what 20 years in the workforce now almost 18 years in the workforce 19 yeah 20, um, 20, 20 how do you 20, how do you deal with that right how do you stay stable and yep. secure in yourself when so many people define success so much more differently yep. than what we just talked about yeah you know what's funny is um i think my, my parents said it recently um they said they were hanging out with some friends, having dinner with some friends of theirs. And they asked, does Billy have a real job yet? That's <laughs> what they asked my parents. And I would love to have heard, I don't, they didn't say how they responded. I would have loved to hear what they said. Um, and I think what, um, and, and Tammy's even alluded to this a little bit. She was like, before, it was really easy. You worked at J&J. Okay, cool. Done. Uh, you're uh, running marketing at a startup. Okay, cool. Done. Now she's like, I don't even know what to sort of say you are anymore. And I think we live in a we live in D.C. and so ton of military, ton of government, um, military contractors, whatever. I was uh, at Starbucks the other day, and someone came by, and um, uh, I don't know how it came up, but I was like looking at some stuff for a new product launch in first aid that I'm working on this project for. And yeah. the woman said, is that, what, is that what you do? Kind of like, like what, like, what is it that you actually, what do you, what do you do here? What, like, what, what in the world are you doing? Like, what do you do? And so um, I think it's so foreign in this area to even be in business. People sort of shut off quickly. Gotcha. And so it, it makes, it, it isn't as big of a challenge here. Because it's like, oh, I'm a marketing consultant, and the people are like eyes glaze over. They have no idea what that means, <laughs> you know. And 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 uh, versus like the you know, very real rank and file that comes up with, oh, I'm in the army. Okay, what's your rank? Where are you? What are you doing? Like that. That is much more of the subculture here. And so uh -huh. I think if I were in another in another place, that title driven sort of company reputation. Um, would be a bigger pressure pressure here. They're like, ah, he does some stuff in business. He worked at uh -huh. some startup, like whatever, whatever this guy, who knows? And he, he keeps showing up and he goes off and gets on the phone in the middle of the, the middle of the game. But then he comes back and he's like, he's at the pool, but then I see him over here and like, I don't know. This guy, who <laughs> right. Yeah. They probably think I like paint, paint pretty pictures or, you know, make an advertisement or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but, but does it affect you? Does it affect you? more than than you think i mean as far as your ability um, to, feel, to feel like you have think, a good answer for people yeah um no i kind of laugh at the fact that they don't know what i'm doing to be totally honest like it kind of makes me giggle yeah. I, the bigger pressure is probably classmates of ours people i used to work with at j and j yeah i can um, imagine be, be, yeah. being like oh you know, I'm director, VP, like whatever type of thing. Um, that's probably more of, of where it would come in. But I think the, the the difference would be for people, at least in my field, oh, I sort of get what he's doing. I sort of get what he's trying to do, right? And And honestly, I think some of it is a little bit of a jealousy sometimes from folks in that situation. Hmm. Because it's like, oh, Billy left the mothership, safe, secure, big company, which I'm dealing with every day, and he doesn't have to deal with any of this stuff, and he gets to go be a marketer. Yeah, huh. you know. Um, um, 
so 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 I think that counter in my head, whether it's valid or not, that counters the I'm no I'm not the I don't have this much under my portfolio. I'm not managing this many people. I'm not directing this many marketing dollars mm. like that. That measuring stick is balanced with um, I I haven't I haven't sunk. Right. Yeah. I've gone off on my own. I did the startup thing. I'm now doing stuff on my own and um, I'm not doing it for, you know, the local uh, tree cutting company. So <laughs> still getting, work, getting, yeah. getting, getting to work with cool national brands and projects and things mm. like that. So mm. um, that's cool. I think the big, the bigger, the bigger question will be five years from now, 10 years from now. Yeah the lack of progression, right? Like I'm, I, I, mean, I don't know, like, I don't know what, I don't know what that looks like. Whereas before you used to be able to look at, okay, well, have I made this level? Have I gotten to some of those measuring sticks? Um, I won't know how to measure some of the stuff that it yeah. might be successful. Well, and it'll be even it's, I think what I have found is, is it also, it's when you're, it's when your children are trying to explain what you do and yeah. your children are comparing yeah to other parents and ask you start to ask you questions about that's a truth. Right. Sound, right. right. That, that, that becomes that's true. Reality that's true. Check, that's, right? true. Just, that's true. You know. my, 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 my kids are still of the age where like, um, you're just daddy. Man. That I <laughs> yeah. But, but daddy. even so, like, even in the context of like, what do I do? Like the, the, I worked at the company that made band-aids would put them on. They'd know that I think wow. in their head, I literally like, made a band-aid like i would go into the factory and like stitch a band-aid together my oldest like you know is is in fourth grade now um he we, we were talking to someone else and and i had a potential project with m and he was like oh my dad might get to work with m ms you know so like he's still he he's still in that world like yeah. you said once he gets to high school and and there's more of a like what does your dad do uh-huh. uh that might for sure be yeah, it's a different pressure it's a different pressure yeah Yep. Um, so, so, so yep. let me ask you this as uh, t- two final questions here. One, what do you think holds people back the most from exceeding or doing well in the, the corporate workplace and being comfortable with themselves and who they are and what their truth mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing holding people back is pride and fear. Um, probably pretty intertwined, this idea of, you know, why are you afraid? Because, and it's usually pride that's the driver to uh-huh. facing some of those fears. Um, but I think even taking it away from the individual level, I think the pride is, pride is part of what holds back big companies um, from making making some difficult choices and changing as quickly as necessary or not changing because they can feel confident that they got it right. And so it's not always about taking a leap, you know, sometimes there's, I think there is a lot of, I've seen or experienced a lot of people changing just for change sake. Yeah, and especially from a brand perspective and a marketing perspective, that's when consumers get confused. Um, versus being 
knowing who you are, knowing your, your values as a brand and just being that and embracing that. My last question for you is what's your playlist? What's your, what are those five songs that, or whatever, it could be two songs or three songs. What's your, what's your go-to when it's time to block out all the noise? And yeah. you want to kind of just focus and, you know. All right, so, you know, in the, in the era of um, and show your Amazon age. Prime show your and age. me being, <laughs> oh, I'm going, don't you, don't you worry. Don't you worry. I, I, not, I'm not going to be afraid to do that. Um, in the era of being able to, like, just tell Alexa what to play. Yeah. So um, the stuff that I typically ask Alexa, and you can look at it, are... Uh, chill house playlist right mm. so it's like house music that's not that's not loud uh classical so i usually name a composer uh new to uh the latest taylor swift album that is what has been my jam lately and then uh and then cnc music factory when i need a pump of energy that's where i go for that CNC. I mean, that is that is going way back. That <laughs> that shows my that that shows my. I told you I'd show my age. Yeah, yeah, that goes way way back, man. It does, it does, it does. But so I, those are those are sort of the uh, the go tos. I'm amazed they even have it. I'm I'm I'm, ala- I'm amazed Alexa even what? has us. <laughs> That's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I, I think um, I think this is great. And I appreciate you taking a ton of time. And um, I think the no, thing listen, that I on like, the, on the, like... Go ahead. On the flip side, thank you for letting me think about this and yeah. letting me talk about it. Because I think that, just like I was saying, with like giving people the opportunity to be introspective. As an independent person, I don't have a lot of opportunity to do that. I don't have a boss. I don't have someone who's, who's making me think this way. So, so equal thank yous on, on your yeah. side for giving me I just, the, You know, I... Mind to do it. I think you're you're a perfect example for me of what it means to embrace your path and what it means to um, really understand your worth and that people can learn from, frankly. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Billy. He's an awesome guy. I learned a bunch from that conversation and I'm looking forward to future conversations. We want to hear from you. Take a few minutes to tell us your story. Go to purpleseastar.com. That's purpleseastar.com and click on tell us your story. Have an awesome week. Embrace your truth and do something meaningful and impactful. We're rooting for you.